Hello and welcome to Science Matters, the podcast of the Georgia Tech College of Sciences. I'm Renee San Miguel. Sally Ng grew up in Hong Kong, surrounded by the energy of skyscraper towers and the haze of polluted air. But during her second year in college, a student exchange program brought her to the University of Minnesota. That state calls itself the land of 10,000 lakes. Yet it was other parts of Minnesota's natural landscape that caught Ng's attention. And those were enough to change the course of her scientific career. So at that time, I was mainly studying on the Minneapolis campus. But every Wednesday or so, I have a class in St. Paul campus. Mm -hmm. And before I go to the class in St. Paul, I have to walk through this forest. And the air quality was so nice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was very young and I was like, this air is so nice to breathe. (laughs) I was like, no, in Hong Kong, it's always really polluted. And I think that got me started. It's like, you know, what can I do to help to improve the air quality, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe as a chemical engineer so that more people can breathe this amazing, you know, air that is clean and fresh. And and, and so I think when I went back to Hong Kong after my year of um, exchange at Minnesota, I think that played a role in terms of me deciding, okay, this is a direction, you know, that I would like to pursue. Mm -hmm. And it makes a difference. You know, everybody breathes, right? So, So you want to do some research that is impactful. Mission accomplished for Ng, an associate professor in the School of Earth and Atmospheric Sciences. Ng is now one of the world's experts in aerosol science, the study of tiny particles that float in the air and what they mean for the climate and our health. And that forest she walked through in Minnesota? She has put a game-changing research spotlight back on trees, which play such an important role in the planet's air quality. That's also why she's spending more time than ever wondering about what happens to our atmosphere when a lot of those trees are reduced to ashes. I'm Steve Patterson in Paradise, California, where nearly the entire town has been incinerated by towering flames. As fires continued to burn through vast areas of the Amazon, international criticism of Brazil is heating up. As if our air quality doesn't face enough threats these days, we're seeing an increase in wildfires. The latest major examples, Northern California in 2018, the Amazon rainforest in 2019. Those wildfires have provided another spark for Eng's research. We're also working on uh, understanding the emissions from wildfires, right? So if Uh, you read the newspapers, mm -hmm. you know, the wildfires are getting more intense or more frequent. And when you look at the wildfires, you see these, a lot of emissions, you see these plumes, right? So they emit a lot of different compounds directly as gas and directly as particles. And we are very interested to understand what happened to all these emissions from wildfires, you know, how they get transformed in the atmosphere. And are they going to produce compounds that eventually might be bad for you know, human health? Aerosols can be naturally occurring or made by humans. Those two kinds of aerosols can get together to form something called secondary organic aerosols, or SOAs. Ng's research on SOAs has resulted in tighter industry regulations and better air scrubbing equipment. Questions remain, though. How exactly do aerosols get in the atmosphere? What are they made of? And how do they affect the health of the planet? and of our lungs. Since joining Georgia Tech in 2011, Ng has built a formidable research team trying to answer those questions. She's already added considerable insight into what aerosols can do to the environment. She wrote the blueprint for Georgia Tech's indoor environmental chamber facility for better controlled laboratory testing of air samples. She combines controlled experiments in this facility with her field studies. Before arriving at Georgia Tech, she helped develop aerosol measurement devices for a private company. So she's equipped her testing chamber 
with the latest measurement technologies. Her published work has been cited more than 10,000 times, and she was one of the most highly cited researchers on Clarivate Analytics' Web of Science's annual list of the world's top scientists for both 2017 and 2018. Georgia Tech presented her with its Outstanding Achievement and Early Career Research Award in 2019. For Eng, it all goes back to her first time breathing clean, clear Minnesota air. Now it's about making sure everybody has the same chance. When we talk about these pollution control policies, I would say in the U.S., the pollution control policy is actually very effective. Mm -hmm. You can see the sulfur dioxide going down, the nitrogen oxide going down, particularly matter from these human sources going down. Yeah. But you can imagine the fires, as they increase in intensity and frequency, one day fires will become one of a major player in terms of the pollutants that, that we're breathing in. Mm -hmm. So the community now has a lot of interest in understanding, you know, really what happens to, to these compounds. As you said, it is hundreds and thousands of species mm -hmm. all emitted together, reacting yeah. together at the same time. So it's a very, you know, challenging question, but that makes it also very exciting and interesting. study is aerosol chemistry. How, how do you define that? Yeah, so maybe first I would define what aerosol is, mm -hmm. right? So um, a more common term for aerosols is called particulate matter. Mm -hmm. So when you read newspapers, you'll be like particulate matter level is high. So these are um, tiny particles suspended in the air and they are so small that you can actually not see them and mm -hmm. they can be solid or liquid you know particles mm -hmm. and when you look at a pollution picture or a very polluted city then you see the haze and smog mm -hmm. and there are a lot of you know particular matter in there mm -hmm. right so and one of the common term is pm 2.5 so PM 2.5 means particulate matter with a diameter smaller than 2.5 micron. Mm -hmm. And it might be hard to grasp, you know, how small that is. So for our hair, you know, the typical diameter of a hair is about 50 to 70 micron. Mm -hmm. right? So you can get a sense of that 2.5 micron. is Very really small, small yep, particulate exactly. matter. Yep. Okay. And, and so in my group, we study how these particles are formed. Uh, what are they made of, you know, chemical composition wise? Mm -hmm. And what are their impacts on human health? And also how that matter, mm -hmm. how it might interact and, and combine mm -hmm. maybe yep. with other things floating mm -hmm. in the atmosphere, right? Yep, yep. And so like the atmosphere is a very complex mixture of different, you know, chemical species, right? So we talk about the criteria pollutants. You have ozone, nitrogen oxides, and now we have these, you know, particularly matter. So they can interact and they can react. So there's all these chemical, you know, compositions that is taking place, you know, at any given time. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's kind of fascinating to track this chemistry. Know, in, happening in, in the air. Indeed, there's a laboratory at work over our heads in our atmosphere every second of the day. That's why the trees that play key roles in our environment, with the gases they emit and absorb, are of such interest to Ng. So there's this uh, very important class of compounds emitted by trees. They are called the volatile organic compounds. Mm -hmm. And trees emit a lot of those volatile organic compounds, and the short form is VOCs, right? volatile organic compounds. Mm -hmm. So one example is that if you go into a pine forest, you smell that very nice characteristic 
pine oh, tree yeah. smell, mm-hmm. right? So that compound is called pinene, and it is one of the major types of compounds that is emitted, you know, by trees. Mm-hmm. And if you go to a citrus farm or you peel an orange, mm-hmm. you smell that citrusy smell. Mm-hmm. So that is a compound called limonene. Right, so trees also emit a lot of these VOCs, and some of it, um, they emit it to protect themselves against uh, heat stress. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they emit it to attract pollinators, mm-hmm. or they emit them to kind of uh, scare off the pests or you know the insects. The Southeast US has this very nice natural environment. You talk about you know all this chemistry happening outside, mm-hmm. and it is happening you know outside the window, and and that you know we have a lot of these. I would say tree emitted compounds mm-hmm. in compared to you know the rest of, of the country, making gotcha. this a very interesting place to study the chemistry of what happens to these compounds after they got emitted by trees. Which makes Atlanta and Georgia Tech the perfect place for Ng to be for her research. That includes being able to test all those human-caused VOCs from cars on the downtown connector, local utility plants, and other sources. So now these VOCs are not the nice smelly ones that mm-hmm. we are talking from the trees. Might be the emissions from your tailpipe, right? Mm-hmm. So these compounds is called we call it the anthropogenic VOCs. Anthropogenic means man-made, made so man-made VOCs. And the same thing, these VOCs got emitted into the atmosphere, and they can continue to react in you know, different ways and then form these you know particles. One of a lot of things we study in our group is how emissions from human activities, such as these man-made sources interact with emissions from the natural sources such as these emissions from trees mm-hmm. and how they interact with each other react in the atmosphere to create this you know at the end this end product that we are breathing in in, in the atmosphere okay. and we're trying to understand all these um, interactions and they're very non-linear so it's not like one plus one goes to two mm-hmm. right so things interact in a very non-linear way and, and that makes the problem you know complex but but interesting to study Ng proved that in 2015 with an influential research paper on secondary organic aerosols, or SOAs, which is the combination of human-made and natural compounds in the air. Her testing found chemicals like isoprene, a volatile organic compound, or VOC, that mostly comes from plants, were more prevalent than previously suspected. The study helped determine the effectiveness of pollution removal devices installed by utilities in the southeast. And one of the things that we set out to understand is that, as I mentioned, you got these emissions from human activities, emissions from trees. How do they interact with each other? So we set out to answer this question. So what we find is that the emissions from cars, which is a group of emissions called nitrogen oxides, Mm -hmm. and the emission from power plants, which is a group of compounds called sulfur dioxide. So these are man-made emissions. Mm -hmm. And they can interact with these emissions from trees. And what we show is that this human emissions of nitrogen oxide and sulfur dioxide directly mediate the amount of particles that can form from these tree emissions. So you can think of this as a, I always see of this as a very win-win situation. Mm-hmm. So first of all, we don't want these emissions by cars or power plants to start with. We want to keep those emissions down. Mm-hmm. And what we find is that if we keep those emissions down, we can also reduce the amount of particles made by the trees. So that is really a good thing. It's like, you know, trees are great. You don't want to, you know, cut down the trees, right? So now by controlling these human activities and sources of emission, we can indirectly also control, you know, the particles that can be made by these trees. So it's a a good news. 
right? You cannot always say that, oh, if I reduce that, that will also, you know, reduce, mm-hmm. right? But they interact in this very non-linear way. And so now we know the mechanisms. So that allows us to make, you know, more efficient, I would say, policies. Say, if you want to control pollution from particles, mm-hmm. right? So you want to reduce that source. So now we actually have a mechanism to show, okay, if you re- reduce the emissions from power plants, then you can also, you know, reduce these p- particles that is, you know, formed from trees. So that is a very, I would say, um, a potential regulation that can build on very sound, you know, scientific findings. And this is a good news for, I would say, pollution control in, in general, that, you know, if we continue to work towards reducing these uh, NOx or nitrogen oxides and sulfur dioxide from, you know, human activities, mm-hmm. then we can also reap the benefit of, you know, their impacts on tree emissions and particles. All Sally Ng needs is the air that we breathe and the latest technology so she can analyze it. That's what you're listening to right now, one floor up from Ng's office, the testing machines in the indoor environmental chamber lab, the one she designed from the ground up. best place to study air pollution is outside because that's the air we breathe. But the problem is that the weather or the meteorology changes every day. So today is actually very sunny when you mm-hmm. look out, right? But if it gets rainy or cloudy, then the conditions will change. And it is really hard to tease out the mechanisms and compositions when you have so many things changing at the same time. Sure. So this Georgia Tech Environmental Chamber facility, you can think of bringing the outside inside so that you can really control your atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So I always call it a simulation of atmosphere or atmospheric simulator, right? So we have 300 UV lights surrounding this chamber facility to simulate the solar radiation. Mm-hmm. And we got two reactors, you, you call it two balloons or two bubbles yeah. that is transparent. And those are two atmospheres. So now we have this control environment. We can control the temperature. We can control the humidity. Mm-hmm. We can control the compounds that we put into these reactors in a very you know, concise way, right? So now we can really understand the mechanisms and the composition by changing one parameter in our Ng and other Georgia Tech researchers received a National Science Foundation grant in 2015 so they could buy an advanced high-resolution gas particle mass spectrometer. She and her team have put that high-tech equipment to good use since then. So when we go to the field, actually, we move all the instruments, you know, to the field, right? Mm-hmm. So if you come visit my lab during a field campaign, my lab would be pretty empty, <laughs> right? So the, the instrument or technology that we use the most is called something called mass spectrometry. Mm-hmm. So we actually directly pull these samples into the instrument and analyze it right there. Mm-hmm. And you can see the results on the computer screen in real time. So what it does is that you take the instrument out there. So it had a sampling tube and it has an internal pump that pulls these samples inside. Mm-hmm. So that samples will contain gases and particulate matter, right? Mm-hmm. And these particles will be uh, vaporized. That means they will be converted from particle phase to a gas mm-hmm. compound. And then you can imagine there's an electron beam that now heats these vapors and makes some ions and they will be detected you know, as products. And so when we take these instruments out in the field, we're really doing a real-time measurement. Mm-hmm. Is that I always tell my students, you can look at your computer screen and think about what air you're breathing because mm-hmm. the results are immediately shown. So the power of this instrument is that you can actually analyze gas and particle samples almost simultaneously, Mm. right? So this instrument allows you to look at this molecular level information of both the gas and the particle. And again, it is real time. So it really gives a lot of information for us to really try to understand how these particles are made, 
mechanisms, their composition, and hopefully using that information, we can learn more about their health impacts. And so it sounds like this yeah. this uh, mass spectrometer has made a difference for your research. Yeah, so it has been you know heavily used mm-hmm. since we got the instruments. So, so far it has been used in the lab to do more of the fundamental studies. Mm-hmm. And it has also been taken out to the field. Actually, we just did a study uh, several years ago close to Atlanta at a place called Yorkville. It's like several hours mm-hmm. northwest of Atlanta in mm-hmm. a farm to try to study you know the air pollution there. So, so this instrument has seen you know a lot of things and we continue to use it you know pretty much every okay. day. So tell me what you're going to be researching in 2019. What's what is on your agenda that might be new and mm-hmm. and uh or, or, or related to what you've been uh, studying here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so there are a couple um, like really new exciting projects that we're working on, on, on this year. So I'll just maybe go through them one by mm-hmm. one. So one of the things, as I mentioned, the nitrogen emission, nitrogen oxide emissions from cars, mm-hmm. right? So we are directly you know, following that trail of evidence to really learn more about the mechanisms, how the nitrogen oxides emitted by cars will interfere these reactions by trees. Mm-hmm. And, and what we are trying to understand is really to do this more quantitatively in a way that what is the yield, what is the mechanism, because the nitrogen cycle, you know, like we, we talk about carbon cycle, but nitrogen cycle is also a very important you know, cycle in mm-hmm. the atmosphere. And it also affects ozone formation. So we mm-hmm. are doing very uh, fundamental lab studies in the lab now using this environmental chamber to understand how these you know, non-linear processes happened. We actually are going to uh, collaborate with modelers. So in order to you know, predict future air quality, its impacts on climate and health, mm-hmm. our community uses models to do that, mm-hmm. right? But models need inputs, right? So right now, this chemistry is not very well represented in the models because of the lack of lab data, yeah. right? So we are going to collaborate with modelers. So we're going to do these experiments and hopefully we'll be able to provide inputs for, for constructing the model. I thank Sally Ng, Associate Professor in the School of Earth and Atmospheric Sciences, for speaking with me about her aerosol research. Ng also has a joint appointment with the School of Chemical and Biomolecular Engineering. My thanks also to NBC and CBS News for use of television news clips. Cyan Joe, a former research associate with the School of Psychology, composed our theme music. If you like listening to Science Matters, please subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Music and SoundCloud. This is Science Matters, the podcast of the Georgia Tech College of Sciences. I'm Renee San Miguel. Thank you for listening.